On July 11, 2009, a terrible tragedy occurred in Logan, Utah. An irrigation canal that runs along the base of a steep bluff broke through a 10-inch thick concrete wall with rebar, causing major flooding and damage down the hillside. More than 15 homes were damaged and miles of land flooded. A house built to withstand a hurricane wouldn't have survived the powerful impact. The force of the break was so great that one home was knocked 20 feet from its foundation, pushing it six feet in another direction. The mudslide flattened the home, killing the residents inside. This horrific event resulted in the community banding together to unify and comfort those in need. The compassion, generosity, and love that was shown to the family of the victims was nothing short of miraculous. Stay tuned. Mystery Media Group presents Case File 38. You are listening to Mystery Media Group. Yay! On July 11, 2009, after heavy amounts of precipitation weakened a canal wall near 915 Canyon Road, several tons of earth gave away. The resulting landslide demolished the home of Jackie Levy, burying and killing her two children, Abby and Victor, ages 12 and 13. Members of the Logan Fire Department remember water running down the street with gas lines that were broken and power lines down in the water. It was total chaos. Not knowing how many buildings were affected and how many people they needed to account for, they soon discovered that what should have been a rescue effort turned into a recovery effort. Still in rescue mode, the rescuers worked diligently in hopes that they were going to be able to find someone in the rubble. By the end of the first night, over 750 volunteers from the community had mobilized together to assist with cleanup. Construction companies donated equipment. Law enforcement, firefighters, and medical professionals from other counties came to help. Utah State University sent geology experts. Local organizations and churches helped with food, water, shelter, clothing, and anything else that was needed. The spirit of volunteerism and people willing to give of themselves was truly amazing. The amount of help that came in such a short period of time was incredible. Today, we will talk with one of the paramedics and firefighters that was there that day on scene. Joining us for this episode, we have Casey Crockett, who is a paramedic and a firefighter, and he was also on scene the day that the mudslide occurred. I'll just give you a little history on where I was that day. I was working in the emergency room at the Cache Valley Hospital, and I remember we got the call from law enforcement that the mudslide had occurred, and they didn't know how many victims or tragedies or deaths there might be, and so we got prepared for a bunch of people coming in. 
And we called in everybody to be prepared for that day. But I don't think we ended up getting anybody, which was kind of a miracle in itself. Casey, do you want to tell us kind of a rundown of when you got the call and what what was going through your mind and the events that happened when you first heard about the mudslide? Right. You're the first one there, right? We were first ones there. Yeah. yeah. Cool. My job is really to drive the fire trucks and be a paramedic if they needed help. So anyways, we're out just doing our, our daily stuff at the fire department, but uh, we get a call that sounded like a mountain had come down. The hillside had collapsed. You know, we were obviously going from Station 70, which is downtown, uh, second north in Maine. And uh, we had another another engine responding from up on the hill, which is up by the cemetery, the engine 71. And, uh, you know, they, they were instructed to go to the top and we were coming in from the bottom. And as we pulled in, I mean, there's just a lot of water coming down Canyon Road to Crockett Avenue. And I, I just remember my captain just looked at me and just, he just says, oh my gosh, what do we got? You know, cause you don't ever know what you're getting into. And so I, I just remember it's all this water coming down and, and people were kind of scattered and cars in and out. So we staged right at Crockett and Canyon Road. We were just kind of not letting anybody in. At that time, our job is really to deny entry. Anyways, once we got there, my captain, he says, let's go around. And we went around the block. So we had to go like down through Larlin Drive. And we come in the backside. And the engine uh, 71, if I remember right, they were instructed to try and find the shutoff valve to that canal. And that canal ran from First Dam all the way to about 600 east and fourth north at the time. I remember, you know, as a young kid, I grew up down on the island. Pulled our tubes all down that canal. Anyways, they were instructed to shut off the water. And as we, we went back around and got into where the collapse had happened, it was just a mess. You know, I mean, the house, the apartments that were there were no longer there. It looked like the whole hillside had come down. Do you, and, know, you know if anybody was warned ahead of time to evacuate? We, yeah, we didn't know at the time it just happened. But from what I understand, someone had made several phone calls and saying, there's water in your place. But we didn't know that. And so we just came into it blind. What was going through your head when you saw all those apartments and things just completely gone? I mean, water is just pouring down the mountain. And, and our thought really was Fort North was going to come down because, you know, Fort North is right up there. And and like I said, I did grow up two blocks away from where all this happened. So I knew this area really well. You know, to see those houses that I have driven my bike by probably hundreds of times, gone. That time, now our job is to try to prevent further injuries. We were trying to evacuate people. Go you know, door to door then for the houses yeah, that we, were left? we did. We went door to door. I mean, there was a lot of people there that it had just happened. You know, a lot of people didn't know it had happened. A lot of people were just watching out their windows. And, you know, we're trying to get everybody out because we don't know if this whole hillside's coming down. And then once our chiefs got there, they set up a, like a, they call it an insert command. And what they do is they position their trucks in a certain place where they can watch this whole incident. They roll up their windows in their trucks. Another chief will get in with them and possibly another one. And right there, they just orchestrate everything. They watch for safety issues. They watch this and that, make sure the guys are doing what they need to do for safety reasons. 
they were setting that up. We were getting people out. Why more people were coming. We had no idea how many people were involved. We don't know how many people, if there was any in there. Rumors were that there was at least three that we knew of. A lot of the information that we get isn't always accurate. You know, it's never really set in stone. Right. But if I remember right, it seemed like there was a neighbor that did come and knock on the door there and told those people that they needed to get out because there was a big water leak. We didn't even know there was anybody in there. I do remember that they had a, a Utah task force. If I remember right, they were coming back from training somewhere. And this had just happened. And so they got diverted and came and helped us for the water to come out out of that whole canal. So you figure there's probably, I don't know, a mile, mile and a half of water, probably three to five feet deep for all this water to get out of this canal. It, it took a long time. And was, it just seemed forever. And just water just pouring out and, and things getting worse. So they didn't have the capacity to stop the water. They just had to let it run its course. Yes. Because, you know, there's no way to get that water out. I mean, you can divert it, but, you know, some of them, that whole canal collapsed. And so it was coming out. There was no way in the location where it was at. Yeah, the whole canal system had to be drained, and that's where it was all common. So they had to shut off the water at first dam and let that whole system, you know, and, and that's where uh, she did such a great job is while we're doing our work, they're watching the outside and uh, going from there. And they were looking for potential threats and dangers as... Yeah, you know, and it's something like that. The hill is so saturated with water. And who knows how long this break had been going on. I've heard a number of different stories. You know, it was weeks. Canal had been leaking and saturated this whole ground. And, you know, here we got big trees coming down. And like I said, we don't know if Fort North, because Fort North is right above us. And we don't know if that's going to affect the university. You know, you got power line standards that want to see what's going on and come walking through the area. You have to corral them and get them back out of the area. You know, you got some people that stay in their houses. There's just so many different things going on. The middle of the day? Yeah. About noon. Yeah. Yep. Noon. Hmm. If I remember right, it was a Saturday. It was. It was so Saturday. there were a lot of people home. And, which is, is another thing is very lucky. Yeah. People are home, they're sleeping in, they're out doing their yard work or whatever. I mean, this could have been so much worse. Right. If it had happened at night or during the week, nobody yeah. would have been out and about. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, that's kind of like with fires, you know, a lot of that just depends on the time of day too. You know, it kind of gives you little signs, you know, if it's one o'clock in the morning, most people are going to be at work. But if it's one o'clock in the morning, it could be a bad thing. It could be really bad because they're all in bed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many different things that play in these parts that I think that a lot of us take for granted all the time. And and that's with everything. Right. I have a picture. Casey was featured on the front page news of one of the articles after the incident. So this is Casey for our listeners. Casey's in his fireman gear with two little babies in his hand, just trying to get them to safety. And you can see a bunch of other kids right behind him and he's leading the way. What goes to your mind, Casey, as you're looking at this photo? You know, we walked into this house right here with this lady and they didn't speak hardly any English at all. And, you know, here we have to try and persuade them to come out and we need them to move. And the uh, mom didn't understand what we were saying. You know, you look out her front window and the whole mountain had collapsed. It's total chaos, you know, for, for these people. And I, I grabbed the baby, grabbed the youngest kid. 
and I pulled on the mom. The, the, my partner, it was the guy in the back, came in off callback. So he happened to be just in the area and heard all this coming out and jumped in and responded with us. So he was off duty and we were evacuating people. And like I said, my captain was doing his captain stuff, you know, orchestrating along with administration to get things going. Going to take resources. I mean, you got power company, you got uh, Logan City Streets, you got the police, you've got like the Red Cross, you gas company, street company, just so many. Everybody at the ER waiting. Everybody. We don't know what it is. So we put everybody on just so that they're ready. It's quite a system to develop that works really well. I used to have to call the codes overhead when they came in like that. And, you know, we have to give like the estimated time of arrival and how many victims and stuff. And it was to be determined. We don't know. Really crazy. And it's really fast. It's like here you are, maybe you're coming back from a call and then all of a sudden this happens, which you would never, ever in a million years expect a landslide to kill people. Right. We live in such a safe little community. It was very unexpected. Even when we saw it, we're just kind of like, what are we looking at? What do we got? You know, and, and to watch those guys in those uh, those track holes, it was amazing how careful they were. And from what I understand, that the people that were buried, it pushed the back of the foundation to the front of the house. So it moved it probably 20, 25 feet, maybe. They had been buried under any, anywhere from 12 to 15 feet of mud. Looking through these pictures, it's just, it's amazing that there weren't a lot more oh, yeah. tragedies. I mean, you would think there'd be a lot of people dead and there was not that having three dead was good, but there was only three. You know, the thing, it was really pretty neat to watch. If you could say in, in, a, in a tragedy like this is how the community came together and our community is really pretty tied up here and they would do it in a heartbeat, you know, to watch all these different agencies, whether it was USU, police, or, you know, our emergency systems, the dispatchers, the police, fire, the sheriff's office, everybody, the street department. And I know I'm not naming all of them. There were so many people that got involved and, and even citizens. I mean, we were up there working for, I think I was at the fire station for almost four days straight. Here we are four days away from our families. What happens if something goes wrong? You know, what what about if we have an earthquake and the fire trucks are the ones that have everything on them? And we're the only ones that know how to run those. And if something bad was to ever happen, we had to be on an incident like this. Who's going to take care of our families? Yeah. And so, you know, he, he kind of developed a, a plan that they had a place to come be together and and we didn't have to worry about them because because they were taken care of. You know, I never thought about that, but that's yeah, that's quite amazing because it gives you peace of mind. Sure. And it helps like your wives kind of band together and, and, and help each other out because I'm sure that they're all worried too, wondering if you all are safe and how things are going. Yeah. Like I said, our, our community is so great up here. You know, we had citizens just come up and bring us bottles of water. And there for a while, they, they were just digging with five-gallon buckets. Because, you know, you don't I want mean, to use the backhoe. We didn't want to use the backhoe. You don't know who's in there. Yeah. Didn't know, yeah. You know, so things were being pulled out, mud and rocks just by hand, five gallon buckets, and it was slow. And 
everybody just kind of just stepped up. You know, it was really pretty amazing to watch. You know, when you're done, you're you're exhausted because not only is it physical, the stress mentally yeah. and your emotions mm-hmm. takes a big toll on you. I can imagine. You know, so makes you really appreciate your family more. Things can happen so fast. They said when they were actually to find the boy, he had his like PlayStation in his hand. I don't wow. know. If, I don't know if he was, you know, playing his PlayStation or what when all this happened. The newspaper article I read said that they had just been warned by one of their neighbors that the hill might come down, sort of hurry and get out of the house. Mom and the little girl were packing up. The dad was at work and the little boy was playing Nintendo or something. So the son was 13, the daughter was 12, and the mom was 39. It's pretty sad. Yes, I dare say hundreds of people were involved. I mean, it took days to dig out the house. And finally find them, didn't it? I believe it was four days digging their five-gallon pockets for four days straight. It was 24 hours a day. One of the articles mentions that Logan Police Chief Russ Roper said that we had to drag them away to make them stop digging. It had so that they could switch them out and put new people in, but they didn't want to leave. You know, we we take that pretty serious. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, it comes personal. And even after the family was found and everybody else was accounted for, there was still tons of volunteers that came to help clean up. And then years later, they built a memorial in that spot for the family. The city did a great job. They did. And Mike and I went and visited that memorial on the anniversary this last summer and just kind of pay our respects. And when we were there, there was people that were still stopping by to do the same thing. One of the neighbors stopped by as we were there that used to live there. It was a neat place. There's a special feeling there. They did a good oh, job. Yeah. People will go there and, and, you know, it's kind of a place just for them to collect their thoughts. You know, every time I drive up there, whether it's to go on a call or just driving around or whatever, you always look at it, hits you a little bit. And like you just said, you know, even after all that happened, just the citizens stepped up. It's their community, you know. It was heard all over the state quick it was a neat place i mean it was a special feeling there yeah takes a tragedy like this to remind us unfortunately yeah and unfortunately you know we we lose track of that too yeah that's kind of a sad thing so i think it's it's good for us to reflect back i mean not to relive a tragedy or anything but just to realize that life's short and things could happen at any time sure you're only with your loved ones for a short time here Yeah, you just don't know what's going to happen. It's so fast. And it's something that you can't control. Mm -hmm. And you have to make the best out of the fire station. We risk a lot to save a lot. Our job is to try to make a difference with what's going on, change the situation. And hopefully it's to make it better. We'd like to dedicate this episode to Jackie, Abby, Victor, and their family. We hope that they will be able to find peace and comfort this holiday season. We would also like to dedicate this episode to our servicemen and women who put their lives at risk each and every day to make our community safer. During this holiday season, may we remember the true meaning of Christmas and volunteer to help those in need. If you enjoy our show, please like, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. We will be introducing other Mystery Media Group guests in our upcoming episodes, along with weekly bonus material. 
If you like to see more pictures and evidence from our adventures, visit www.destination-mystery.com. You'll find a link to our blog as well as a link for merch and contact information. Until next time, find your own destination. Solve the mystery. This is a production of Mystery Media Group. Yay!